0: So, happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. It is a, a joy to see you all here this morning and to celebrate this, this special day with you. I love this day. I love to, to see all of the children in the yard for the, for the Easter egg hunt and, and uh, the, the, the Easter bunny makes an appearance. I love to, I love to see folks dressed up in their Easter best, which we usually don't do at St. A's, so it's fun to see everybody kind of decked out a little bit. I love the flowers. I love the, I love the liturgy. I, I love to say, Alleluia, Christ is risen. And I love all of the, of the special music. We're in store for a real treat today. We've already heard some beautiful pieces. And I have to admit, though, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we usually don't have the brass and the harp and (laughs) the percussion, um, but that's special because that's Easter. I love this day because I love that you are all here, especially those of you who do not attend church very often or who are visiting with us for the first time. It is it is deeply meaningful to me and a true joy that you are here. And on behalf of the clergy and the people of St. Augustine's, I wanted you to know how honored we are that you have chosen to spend your Easter morning with us. And I also love this day because it makes me ask myself a question about why. I am here. Well, okay, okay. Of course, I am one of the priests. I am required to be here. It is Easter, for God's sake. Um, actually, it's, it's one, of my, one of my nightmares that I show, somehow sleep in on Easter and, and show up at 1045, you know. Um, another one of my nightmares that I come and I'm only wearing my underwear. Uh <laughs> is why I wear this fancy robe. <laughs> but what I mean, what I mean by the question of why I am here is why do I find this all so meaningful? What is it about this place and the message that it proclaims and embodies that draws me here? And of course, part of the of the answer is, is very simple and yet profound, and of course, perhaps a bit far-fetched as well. And that's the message that the man, Jesus of Nazareth, has been raised from the dead. In a nutshell, that is the Easter message, that Jesus of Nazareth has been raised from the dead— it is as they say the reason for the season, right? But of course the message that Jesus has been raised from the dead is is a great mystery. One that is difficult to nail down. Reverend Katie reminded us of us about that last night and her Easter vigil sermon. Easter really isn't about a resuscitated Jesus. It's it's not a, a zombie Jesus. He's not a corpse wandering around. No, for him, he has died once for all. The death that he died, he died once for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. The thing about the resurrection is that it subverts our our ability to explain it or control it through historical analysis or through scientific discovery. There is nothing straightforward about the mystery of the resurrection. And even the New Testament tells us as much. For in all of the accounts of the resurrection, there's always a piece that points to a mystery that is the greater than the witnesses can actually capture. There's always something that defies explanation in every resurrection account. Take, for instance, this morning's account of of Mary not recognizing Jesus when he stands before her. How can that be? How can he not recognize her? And yet, she does not. But I'm getting ahead of myself. That Jesus has been raised from the dead is the Easter message. But then the next question becomes, why does it matter? After all, that was a long, long time ago. A lot has changed since then. And what's more, in our time where this has apparently become a thing, what if it's just fake news, right? And even if you grant that it happened, does it matter for you in your day in and day out life? I mean, sure, perhaps it is a a source of comfort for you when you think about loved ones who have died, or if you are facing illness or the prospect of your own death. Perhaps it, it gives you some solace outside of that? Outside of that, is it relevant to you? Does it it affect the way you live, not just the way that you think about death? And perhaps you you could even allow yourself to think, well, the resurrection, it sounds like a pretty good deal for Jesus, but what about the rest of us? And so I want us to explore this question of the relevancy of, of the Eastern message this morning by, by looking at the, fir- the figure of Mary Magdalene. Now, perhaps Mary is kind of a, a funny figure to us because there is so much about her in the popular imagination that is simply wrong or is wrong headed. For instance, we have absolutely no reason to believe that she was a a former prostitute before she became became a follower of Jesus. Nor do we have any reason to believe that she is somehow secretly Jesus' wife. The Bible is silent about such things. But we do know What we do know about Mary is that she was healed by Jesus. In Luke's gospel, we are told that she was healed of seven demons. And the the context of the description of that healing suggests that she might've been one of Jesus's financial benefactors. She might've been an angel investor, if you will. If she was, she helped to make his ministry possible. The Gospels also tell us that as a disciple of Jesus, she was a witness to Jesus' death. When most of the the male followers of Jesus had fled in fear, fear of being arrested and, and put to death themselves, she persisted. She kept vigil as Jesus died. And then we have this account of of Mary's encounter with the risen Christ from this morning's gospel lesson. We are told, when it is still dark, when it is still dark, Mary goes to Jesus' tomb. It's fair to say that this journey must have been an agonizing trip. For she is not just going to visit the tomb of a friend. Jesus is not just a teacher. He's not just a man who had healed her. He is more than that to her. For her, Jesus embodies hope for a new world and a and a transformed world. Because you see she had been traveling with Jesus, and she had heard Jesus proclaim the nearness of the kingdom of God. For Jesus and for Mary, the kingdom of God was not, not something about a, a distant heaven or an upcoming afterlife. It wasn't a, it wasn't a spiritual realm or, or a psychological state For Jesus and for Mary, the kingdom of God was not a metaphor. To them both, the kingdom of God is what the world looks like when God's will is done, when God's dreams are realized. It looks like healing and wholeness and well-being. It looks like It looks like a space where forgiveness and reconciliation can overcome enmity and estrangement, where the boundaries that divide us are no more. The kingdom of God is the space where there is enough for everyone, a space where the hungry are fed and the poor are given good news. And Jesus, he didn't didn't just talk about this reality, he embodied it. And wherever he goes, the kingdom of God seems to emerge around him. For instance, the blind are given sight, or, or lepers are healed and able to resume their lives and return to their families. Or Jesus sits down and eats with all of the worst people like tax collectors and sinners. And in doing so, a new community is formed. Or in, in Jesus' presence, 5,000 people are fed. Fed so that there's leftovers from only a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Around Jesus' A space emerges where oppression is overcome and transcended. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of hope. And to Mary, when she witnesses the death of Jesus, when she witnesses Jesus' death on a cross, on on a cruel instrument of torture and execution, She's not just watching the death of a dream or someone who's beloved to her, rather. She's watching the death of a dream, just that. She's watching the death of hope, the death of a future. It's not just Jesus dying, it's the death of a whole world of possibility. As Jesus breathes his last, that world is seemingly snuffed out. When it is still dark, we are told. When it is still dark, Mary comes to the tomb. The dark is not just about the absence of light, it is also about the absence of faith and hope. For indeed, it appears that the dark has won, that the dark has extinguished the light that Jesus embodied and represented. And to make matters worse, When Mary arrives at the burial site, she is confronted by a tomb that is empty. And as she gazes into the tomb, for her, it is not cause for befuddlement or or emerging belief like it will be for Peter and the beloved disciple. No. For Mary, as she gazes into that tomb, it is... A last affront. It is a final indignity. For Mary, it seems every adversarial force has stood up against her. Religious, the religious forces, political forces, natural powers, they have all aligned themselves against her as they aligned themselves against Jesus. For Mary, the empty tomb is not just an empty space where a body used to be, but a confrontation with meaninglessness and with powerlessness. She is confronted by the power of death. The power of death, not just, not just as a physical reality, but as a spiritual reality reality. In this moment, for Mary, this power of death seems to rule over all of humanity, over our personhood, over our compassion. For her, it is not just death of our bodies, but a death of our dreams and our connections one to another. More than just being physical Death's power is about a loss of hope. It is about a loss of identity. They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. I wonder if we cannot sympathize with her at least a little. For we too face a, a world of enmity and conflict. We too are confronted by the violence and the banality and the, the meaninglessness present in so much of our lives. I wonder if we too might be able to stare into that tomb with Mary and feel an inkling of what she must have felt in the darkness of that morning. Such, such is her despair that she cannot really see the angels in the void of that tomb. Though she does see them, and she responds to them when they talk to her, and yet she cannot see them. Nor, amidst her despair, can she even see Jesus when he stands before her. Rather, she can only see the face of a stranger, a man she assumes is the gardener. It is not, it is not until Jesus says her name, Mary, that she is able to see again. Only then, for Mary, does the darkness lift. When Jesus names her, her identity is returned to her. Her hope is restored to her. It's not just that Jesus has been raised to new life, but so has she. For she, too, is given new life in that moment. Indeed, for Mary, this very moment is a moment of eternal life, where her faith and her hope and her love emerge. Here is a moment of eternal life where her meaning and her purpose now exist and abide beyond the power of death. It's not that she will never know anxiety or will never be without hope again, but the light of Easter morning and the light of the risen Christ reveal. That the power of death has been defeated. And that life, life and light will have the final word. That God will have the final word. Belief in the risen Christ is a, is a trust in this life giving power of God to be active in our lives every day. In our lives every day, in ways that can transform and empower and recreate. Belief in the risen Christ is also the proclamation that it is hope and love that are, that are the most fundamental, the most real even when the darkness seems to have triumphed the resurrection the resurrection sets us free and as we come to live into our freedom we discover that we are free to live no longer for ourselves alone but for the sake of others for one another And just as Jesus gave his life away in love, so too, as the resurrection becomes a force in our lives, we will discover our lives are gifts that are intended to be shared, and that our true joy, our true joy, will be be found as we give our lives in love. And this hope, this hope and the power of love can abide no matter what might happen or what might take place in the moment. This hope and the power of life can abide no matter what happens in the moment because it is God, it is God who will have the final word. Ultimately, in this way, the resurrection is not an event in the distant past, but a new, ever present reality, though one often concealed from our sight. And just, just as Mary rediscovered her identity, as it was returned to her as she was named by the risen Christ, so too, so too does Jesus look to call your name, to give life to you, so that you might share it with others in love. And so, happy Easter. Rejoice for Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.